Still, hi, morning everybody. Sorry, trying to find my bearings. Just now, Pastor Melvin said, you want to take a nap, take a nap, bef- then not doing the sermon. So I did, I took a nap and now I'm a bit groggy. <laughs> well, today is a special Sunday uh, in the Christian calendar. It's actually the last Sunday of the Christian liturgical year. Right, next Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent. And that's the start of the new Christian year. The four Sundays in Advent will lead us to Christmas. This last Sunday in the Christian year is called, as you heard just now, Christ the King Sunday. And mainline Protestant Christians like the Anglicans, the Lutherans, and we Methodists, uh, we also call it Christ the King Sunday. Although nowadays, some prefer the more politically correct gender-neutral term, the Reign of Christ Sunday. But the point is that we end the Christian year by proclaiming the kingship of Christ. And we mainline Protestants have the same Christ the King Sunday because we share the same lectionary. And I told you some time ago that the lectionary is a collection of readings from the Bible. Um, These readings are arranged for every Sunday and every special festival in the year. Uh, in a three-year cycle. We all use the same revised common lectionary, so that's why we all share the same Christ the King Sunday. But Christ the King Sunday actually goes back less than 100 years. It was only in 1925 that the feast day of Christ the King was proclaimed by Pope Pius XI. Okay, don't get riled up. The Pope was the one who named the day. And yes, we share the revised common lectionary with the Roman Catholics. But what was going on in 1925 that made the Pope declare today, Christ the King, Sunday? Well, uh, 1925, World War I had just ended a few years earlier. And World War I took the lives of 15 million people. And during World War I, right at the tail end of World War I, a Spanish flu pandemic broke out. It swept through the whole world. And some estimate that the, the H1N1 virus then infected up to 500 million people in the world, one-third of the world's population. And 50 million people died from the flu. The war and the flu left countries in dire straits. And people felt lost and hopeless. Everybody was looking for a way out, for a reason why, an answer, why all this was happening. So in Europe at that time, there were two charismatic leaders who believed they knew the answers, that they knew the reasons why, and that they could put their countries right. The first guy was the Italian leader of the National Fascist Party, Benito Mussolini. In 1922, Mussolini was the youngest Italian prime minister ever elected. And by 1925, he was gathering up the reins of power. He wanted to become a dictator, and he eventually made Italy a police state. The other guy had just been released from prison after a failed coup attempt. He only served less than a year in prison. He was the chairman 
of the National Socialist German Workers' Party, the Nazi Party, and his name was Adolf Hitler. He went on to bring misery throughout Europe. He started World War II. But in 1925, watching these two men rise to power democratically, being elected year after year, the Pope thought it was time to remind people who was really in charge and who we should give all our allegiance to. And so Pope Pius XI established the Feast of Christ the King today. And the Gospel reading for Christ the King Sunday this year is John chapter 18, verses 33 to 37. Let me read it out to you. It's on your screen. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants who have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. This is the word of God. Come, will you join me in a word of prayer? And so, Father, we ask you, help us all to listen to your voice today. Show us the truth. Speak to all our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. So here's a story about Pontius Pilate meeting Jesus. And Pilate was the Roman prefect or governor of Judea, and he was prefect for 10 years. He was a career politician, probably a former soldier who rose to become governor. At that time, a contemporary historian who was hostile to Pilate described Pilate as a man of inflexible, stubborn and cruel disposition. And throughout his governorship, Pilate was afraid that the Jewish leaders would complain to the emperor about his violence his thefts, his assaults, his abusive behavior, his frequent executions of untried prisoners, and his endless savage ferocity. So Pilate did try to accommodate the Jewish leaders, to placate them. It didn't work. In the end, the Jews did accuse him before the emperor of all kinds of arrogant, bullying, and offensive behavior. And Pilate was sacked in 36 AD, but not before he had executed Jesus. Today's passage is the scene of Pilate's encounter with Jesus inside the governor's headquarters or the governor's palace. What had happened just before, Jewish leaders had brought Jesus to see Pilate, but the Passover was approaching. The Jewish leaders didn't want to enter a Gentile's house and become defiled, so they waited outside. Pilate went out to talk to them. They refused to enter. 
So Pilate went back into his palace and he called Jesus in. And there in Pilate's palace, facing the representative of the Roman emperor, Jesus says more about his kingdom and what sort of kingdom it is. Now, uh, in the world today, there are kings and queens, but they are mainly constitutional monarchs. In other words, they can only exercise their powers within limits that are prescribed by a constitution. So these kings and queens don't have absolute power, not all of them, maybe one or two. Maybe the king of uh, Swaziland, as it was called in the past. But the rest are all constitutional monarchs. Now some people think that having a royal family is unfair. Why should a few people be born into a royal family? Why should it be born into a life of privilege and luxury? Why should a person be king just because he was born into the right family? After all, it's only an accident of birth. My own personal view is that we all generally want to pass on an inheritance to our children and to our descendants, don't we? So some time ago, maybe in a distant past, this king's ancestor conquered the country or otherwise won control of the country. So down through the ages, he's merely passing on the country as inheritance to his descendants. For example, 30 years before Jesus was born, Herod the Great, a friend and ally of the Romans, he defeated a Parthian army. And the Parthians were a great empire in the Middle East. They were the rivals of the Roman Empire. Herod did the Romans a favor by smashing the Parthian army. And in return, out of gratitude, the Romans made Herod king of the Jews. Although he wasn't really a king uh, in the line of David, he wasn't a descendant of David, he wasn't even a Jew. He was an Edomite. But when Herod died, he passed the kingdom on to his children. So Pilate knows a bit about Jews and kings. And so when I think, I think when he asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate is just being sarcastic. He knows Jesus is not from Herod's family. He knows Jesus is no rival claimant. Pilate can see that Jesus is a poor man and that his friends have all run away. But even if he knew that Jesus was not a king, Pilate thought that something else was going on when the Jewish leaders brought this man before him. And so Pilate asked Jesus, what have you done? And that's when Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. And the point that Jesus is making here is not that Jesus' kingdom is another world that has nothing to do with the present world, that is an otherworldly world somewhere else while we live in this world. No, the point that Jesus is making is that Jesus' kingdom does not come from this world. This world is imperfect and evil. This world rebels against God. 
And Jesus' kingdom cannot originate from such a world because Jesus is the source of his own kingdom. He gave himself up for it. And the kingdom only came into being. The kingdom only has legitimacy because Jesus gave himself up for all of us. And that's why Jesus came into this world. That's why he sends us out into the world to build his kingdom. Jesus' kingdom is for this world. This world is the destination of Jesus' kingdom. Jesus' kingdom will come into this world. And we pray this whenever we pray, thy kingdom come. Standing before Pilate, Jesus admits that he is a king. That's the purpose for which he was born. That's the purpose for which he came into this world. And that is our proclamation today also. Christ is king. But Jesus is a different sort of king. Jesus is no absolute monarch. He's not even a constitutional monarch. Jesus' kingdom is not like any kingdom we know. All the power structures in Jesus' kingdom are being flipped over topsy-turvy. It's not the powerful, for example, who are the greatest in Jesus' kingdom. You know, at this last uh, track conference, annual conference we had this week, our bishop preached that the leaders in Jesus' kingdom are servants to others. In Jesus' kingdom, the weak are not neglected, but are loved and given greater honor. In Jesus' kingdom, the shepherd will leave 99 healthy sheep to go searching for the one that is lost. In Jesus' kingdom, might and money add nothing to a person's value, but humility and sacrifice mean everything. And that's because Jesus' kingdom has a different origin and a different character than any other kingdom Pilate or we have known. It is not built on earthly principles or by earthly means. And so we cannot always use earthly tools and earthly methods to build Jesus' kingdom. We need the power of the Holy Spirit above all. We need God's methods. And so what are the tools and methods that we need to build God's kingdom according to this uh, passage today? I think this passage makes clear two things. Firstly, we are to bear witness to the truth. That's how we build the kingdom, by bearing witness to the truth. John 14.6 tells us that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the truth. And if we are to bear witness to the truth, it means that we have to tell others about Jesus and what he has done in our lives. I think all of us should prepare a testimony, our testimony, to share with others at an appropriate time. It's not just about sharing the, the gospel story or pushing it down somebody's throat, but to share what God has done for us. And we can share that with anybody. Right? We can share with anybody what we have found for ourselves. I'll give an example. A few years ago, I discovered, or I found, Aho Mipok. Have you heard of it? Japanese Mipok in Calamity West Avenue 2. 
this Japanese man and his Japanese daughter, they learned the art of making mipok, and they have a mipok store. They call it Aho after his sufu. But it was amazing. Fantastic. I used to go there quite often. We lined up first time I went, lined up 40 minutes. Then that Saturday, the newspaper article had come ready, but I brought my family, my, my dad down. I had to line up an hour, 45 minutes for Mipok. But it was good. I told everybody, told my friends, I took pictures, posted it on Instagram, posted it on Facebook. Because that's the Singaporean thing to do. When we find something good to makan, we tell everybody. We do that among the pastors here also. When I came in a few years ago, Pastor Melvin told me about Soy 19, Wantan Mi. Right here, Amokyo Avenue 4. Thai Wantan Mi. Amazing. He told me there was one in Jurong East, so I went to that one there. No queue. But we share what we have found. I think people hunger for truth also. And if you have found it, people will want to listen to you. Of course, that is supposing that you have found it. If you don't know Jesus, who is the truth yet, please feel free to approach any of the church's pastoral team members or pastors. Or if you're not already in a cell group, please consider joining a cell group. This year, coming year, next year, you'll start a new fantastic program. This year, we, we looked at a disciple's path. And next year, we'll do part two, a disciple's heart. What being a Methodist is all about. Wonderful stuff. Okay, so great things ahead. But that means we have to bear witness to the truth to all around us. Bear witness to the truth who is Jesus. That's the first thing. Second thing, listen to his voice. Everyone who is of the truth listens to Jesus' voice. And these days we have you know long litanies of prayer. I mean, we're always happy asking God to do what we want to give us what we want. But do we ever spend time asking God what He wants? Do we sit in silence with God, seeking to hear His voice? Or do we just present God with a shopping list? Please bless me this way, A, B, C, D, E. Bless my friends. Give me all that. We need to listen to God's voice. And I think listening to Jesus' voice goes beyond prayer to following the Word of God following what Jesus has already said. We must listen and put into practice what we have heard from Master's voice and learnt in the Bible. We must do what Jesus says. Now in the kingdom, everything becomes of a higher order. For example, you don't just have an air force, you have a royal air force. You don't have a post office, you have the royal mail. You don't have Meghan Markle, you have the Duchess of Sussex. Okay, everything is taken one step higher. So it is in Jesus' kingdom. First Peter chapter two verse nine tells us, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light." We are a royal priesthood. And the question is, do we behave as such? Do we live as though we were members of an everlasting kingdom, 
subjects of a glorious king, part of a royal priesthood. We must. We must. It is all about us striving for Jesus, working hard to the end, knowing that something great is in store for us. Now, um, about 10 years ago in 2007, there was a movie called The Kingdom, uh, starring Jamie Foxx. It was about the uh, FBI sending a team of FBI agents into the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to investigate a terrorist incident. And in the movie, the FBI director faces a lot of flack for trying to get his men in, and you know, there's a lot of politicking going on. And so the FBI director reminisces about his time as an army officer in the Vietnam War. During the, the great uh, Tet Offensive, the Viet Cong, the enemy had launched a surprising and infamous attack during the New Year, Tet. And the Americans were taken by surprise. And FBI director served under the American commander-in-chief then, General Westmoreland. And so in the movie, the director says to his people, you know, Westmoreland made all of us officers write our own obituaries during Tet. When we thought the Kong were going to end it all right there. And once we clued into the fact that life is finite, the thought of losing it didn't scare us anymore. The end comes no matter what. The only thing that matters is how do you want to go out on your feet or on your knees? That's a good lesson for us. How do we want to enter the eternal kingdom? Proudly on our feet, having served Jesus, or just trying to cruise in, sliding through the back door. We are a royal priesthood. And we should bear witness to the truth that is Jesus. And we should listen to his voice and follow him. Come, let us pray. Father, we thank you for making us your people, for calling us into your kingdom, for making us a royal priesthood. Help us, Lord, every day become more and more like you. Give us courage to speak your name to others, to show by our lives that we are your royal priesthood. Use us, Lord, wherever you have placed us, in good times and in bad. Use us in Jesus' name. Amen.